Welcome everyone to another episode of the Embodied Mommy podcast. So welcoming my co-host for the season, Jamie Gray. Hi, Jamie. Hello. So excited for another one. I know. I know. And this is a good one too. We are talking about something um, that definitely affects so many moms. I feel like this is one of those things we're talking about postpartum anxiety and depression and just all those those things that really come up during this time is on a clinical level that a lot of times I think some people don't really recognize until they're already out of it. And they look back and they're like, whoa, that was heavy. That was, that was intense. So our goal today, we have with us Angel Newton, who is one of the partners of a, uh, a therapy practice. So Angel, I'll let you just introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, I'm Angel. Um, I co-own a private mental health therapy practice in Lake Zurich and McHenry, Illinois. It's about, I'd say an hour and a half outside of Chicago. Um, I also am a practicing mental health therapist. I specialize in working with perinatal mental health, women's wellness, and couples therapy. I'm also a wife. I'm a mom of two. I have a six-year-old, I'm sorry, six and a half, and (laughs) five-year-old. So kind of a, a lot of things going on. A lot. Oh, hands in a lot of pots there, right? And you guys are expanding your business too, right? We are. We just, so about a year ago, we opened up a second location. And this year, um, just a week ago, did a whole build out of our first primary location. So we went from four offices to eight offices. So getting furniture, getting pictures up on the wall, getting that space ready to go. You're nesting. It's like you're nesting again, all over again. <laughs> oh, it's been a lot of work. We were trying to put a desk together over the weekend and it took two hours. The desk is not together. It has no drawers. It is just so the good and the bad. Oh my gosh. So true. The growing pains, right? Mm-hmm. I love it. That's so exciting. And I love that now that you are kind of in that place, in this place of expansion, really able to hone in on that part of wellness, right? Mental wellness that you're so passionate about, which is helping moms and helping families. And we're all with you on that. So that's incredible. And Angel, is there anything about your fourth trimester experience with either one or both of your kids that you want to share? Any surprises, anything that, anything that was either a challenge or that you didn't expect? Oh goodness. <laughs> the whole you remember thing. that far back? <laughs> Not many of us can. It, you know, it there was a lot of surprises, a lot of challenges. Um, I had my own journey with postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety. Um, I felt, you know, lonely, confused, a lot of feelings that you wouldn't expect to feel in that stage of life. Cause here you're thinking, oh, I'm gonna have this new beautiful baby and I'm going to be full of joy and they're gonna coo at me and smile at me and people are gonna come over and visit and help. And it's just gonna be such this beautiful time of life. And it is, and it's also the hardest of hearts, mm-hmm. right? So there, I mean, the sleepless nights, the physical pain, it was a lot, it was a lot to handle and this, dissonance of like, I should be so happy and I should be just so in love with my baby, which I was definitely those things. However, there was also another side of that coin where I, I did struggle and it was a very challenging time in life. And honestly, I was not my best self. My husband was not his best self and we did struggle and we did learn and, you know, we made it through. (laughs) We, we, we did make it through and 
Um, now you mentioned looking back now, looking back, there was it, hindsight's 2020, but yeah, I did. It was a perfect mishmash of two very different things. Oh my Great God. And challenge. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think I might've mentioned this in the podcast before at some point, but this was said somewhere where once you become a parent, your ability to experience joy grows exponentially, but also your ability to sink low, right? Because we have both ends of that spectrum. So in order to really be able to hold the space for that level of joy and love, we can also go just as low. And I think sometimes that can be a really big shock to us, right? Once we get to that point. And even within the span of a day, of an hour, <laughs> I remember I remember rocking my baby to bed or not to bed two in the morning in the middle of the night and thinking, how lucky am I? This is beautiful. This is the life I wanted. And then literally an hour later being like, I haven't slept. I haven't ate. I'm so just depleted right now. What a whiplash. Yeah. So true. It's so, so true. I know myself too. those thoughts of like, how am I going to do this? How am I going to survive? How am I going to do this another day? Like when, when is this, when is this park going to end? <laughs> when do we grow out of this phase, right? Whatever it is in that moment. Yeah. And what I love about moms, what I love about parents is that you rise to the occasion. You know, you don't know, you go in and you're like, how the heck am I supposed to do this? But you do it you figure it out, you rise to the occasion and you rise up. And I think that's so cool. And I see that with my clients time and time again, they come in, Angel, I'm so scared. What if I'm an awful parent? What if I'm a horrible mom? Fast forward a year, they rose to the occasion. They figured it out. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. And I read something just recently where, you know, it was saying like when, when those emotions come up, right? Like when those feelings come up of the fear, right? That fear of whatever it is, that fear is telling you something, right? It's telling you about something that you love, right? And so it really does help you kind of come to the other side of that occasion and really rise from it. So how wonderful that you're helping moms, parents, couples, really get to that place because we, we need help, right? We really, really can't do this all ourselves, especially if it gets to that point. So let's segue into talking a little bit more about postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, because I don't really think that postpartum anxiety is talked about that much. It's really not something that I ever heard about until after having kids for sure. And then in hindsight, thinking about some of the things I'm like, whoa, I definitely had some of that postpartum anxiety in there, especially for me in the form of just really irrational thoughts of something bad happening to the baby. So what, what exactly is postpartum depression and anxiety? Like, how is that different from regular depression and anxiety? Yeah. So it's not much different. Um, clinically speaking and on paper, it, it shares much of the same characteristics, if not copy and paste. The only difference um, in the DSM, there is a with postpartum onset modifier that you would add. So postpartum depression is just like regular traditional depression, except it's caught within that first year postpartum. Mm -hmm. Um, And clinically speaking, you would be experiencing, or you could be experiencing depressed mood, 
extreme sadness with the postpartum anxiety, there's irritability that comes with that a lot. What you were talking about intrusive thinking, that is like a hallmark of postpartum anxiety. And, and that can be very startling to people when they're, they're having these thoughts, you know, for example, like, what if, what if I just drop my baby? What if I just, you know, just shake my baby a little too hard. These scary thoughts that are very normal and very part of this postpartum anxiety. And I think when you don't know that that could be a potential and you have these thoughts, you're like, what? I'm awful. This is awful. I can't believe I'm thinking about these things. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. Thoughts are just thoughts. Right. And that's it. They, they can come and go and you can, you're not acting on them. Right. So witnessing the thought and kind of taking the, I don't want to say taking the emotion away from it, but just sort of recognizing that that is a thought that's kind of coming through my mind and I can acknowledge that it is just a thought. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know it's funny. Another one is, I don't know if other moms listening have experienced this or I'm sure it's very normal too. Right. But that like, even though like, for example, this morning, my, my almost one and a half year old, he's slept very late. Right. Even at this stage, I still like, I'm like, let me just go in and check and make sure that he's breathing. Like anytime he actually sleeps through the night or something like that, I'm like, oh, is he okay? Is everything okay in there? You know, I, I put myself up like waking up and worrying about all that too. But I think when is it, and I guess maybe this would be part of the criteria too, right? But when is it just normal anxiety or like typical normal things that we're going to experience no matter what? I mean, it's a huge thing having a responsibility of a human life or this little child that's dependent on you versus something where maybe like, okay, I need to seek some help for this. First and foremost, I would say that mostly everybody should seek help and should seek Mm. somebody. You should always even if you're functioning at a high functioning level, you should have a therapist. Everybody should have a therapist first and foremost. Secondly, when it becomes a problem is if it is affecting your life. So are you crying so much that you're unable to attend to your baby? Are you so anxious that you don't want to take your baby outside or give your baby a bath? Are you having physical symptoms of depression and anxiety? Like stomach pains, headaches, things like that. So is it affecting your daily life? Are you not able to engage in your life the way that you would like to? Yes, that's great. And it's funny that you mentioned the physical symptoms too, because I feel like there's between pregnancy and that whole postpartum, right? Where you're physically bouncing back from this huge change, the hormonal changes, the the change in lifestyle that are affecting all of that, I feel like it's so easy to see how that could go undiagnosed or misdiagnosed, right? Or kind of brushed aside as just like, oh, this is just my body adapting to having a baby. Yeah, definitely. I I have moms come in and they're like, you know, I've been having a, a real hard time sleeping lately. Maybe they're six, seven, eight, nine months pregnant, whatever. And so we have to dive into that and be like, okay, what else is surrounding that? Uh, okay, maybe maybe you're having a problem sleeping because you're eight months pregnant and you can't really sleep at eight months pregnant because it's very uncomfortable. So kind of figuring out, you know, what else is going on and, and diving deeper into that. Yeah, yeah. And it's really interesting because I feel like, I don't know if this is just a female thing, um, but, you know, it does really seem like we very easily 
brush aside the stress and the anxiety that we undergo on a regular basis. Like I talk to a lot of people in the work that I do experiencing these kinds of symptoms and I'll ask about stress, like, oh, it's fine. Mm-hmm. And then we go in and actually there's medications being taken for anxiety and this and that. And well, so we're not always kind of like tying all that together. So to your point, even if you're functioning well, we all need some kind of support, right? We all kind of need that mirror to help us see what we're not able to see within ourselves. Because I think that through everything that we have that we're juggling, whether you're an expecting parent or you know, a new parent or a seasoned parent, right? It's so easy, I think, to overlook these parts of ourselves. So love that you recommend that. And talk to me a little bit about mom rage, because I feel like this is getting more attention as of late. Would, is that something completely different? Is that something that you would kind of see under, whether it be like anxiety or depression or anything like that? it could be. Um, Irritability is a big thing with anxiety in general. And I think a lot of people don't know that anger and irritability. And I I would say that this, this concept of mom rage, I would look at it more like, like you were saying earlier, like a check engine light. Um, What is this trying to tell me? Your, Your body's always trying to tell you things and we have emotions for a reason. I would never want to just ignore somebody's emotion or just put a technique and kind of technique it away. I want to lean into that emotion and be like, what is this rage telling you? What do you need? First and foremost, take a break, put your baby somewhere safe, put your baby in the crib. They'll be okay. Go into the other room, take a breather, take a break. It's okay. Um, if your check engine light was on, you wouldn't just continue on your road trip. You would probably get to somewhere safe. I personally would call my husband, be like, here's the code. What does it mean? You would assess it. You would assess the situation. So if you, step one is awareness. Step two is assessment. If you, for some reason, are not, get to the point where you're in a rage and you didn't recognize the the warning signs and the, you know, the, the red flags and you're there, take a break become aware with yourself. What do you need? Do you need a snack? Do you, are you hungry? Like when's the last time you ate? Um, do you need to call a friend? Are you lonely? Have you like, when's the last time you talked about an adult thing? When's the last time you just let it out and said, this is so hard. I'm so frustrated. What is wrong with this baby? What is wrong with me? Talk to somebody that you trust. Are you tired? Do you need to be like, Hey, can you come and watch my kids so I can sleep for three hours? assess the situation and diagnose the check engine light and figure out what your body needs and give it that. Yes. Yes. I know. I think that's so huge because that's absolutely what happens, right? Our body, once we become right, especially in that fourth trimester period, even within the first year, right. Is we are not receiving the physical needs that we need oftentimes, right. Especially if we don't have family support, friend support, anything like that around, which we dove into in a, a previous episode about some of these resources. Um, that's huge. So we talked a little bit about kind of what's sort of normal to expect after birth, right? There is going to be some emotions. There is going to be, you know, some kind of um, even like the blues, right? Like the baby blues afterwards is relatively normal. But like you mentioned, it's when it starts to really affect your ability to parent. 
and it affects your, your quality of life, right? Where you would want to seek some support if you weren't already receiving. Yeah. And I would say there's a timing factor to that too. So the first two weeks, let's just talk, chalk it up as a loss. Those first two weeks after you give birth, it's going to get wild. Let's, let's not use any of that to make any determinations of anything really. So give yourself some time. So those baby blues that you talk about, that's really in the first two weeks, our emotions, our hormones, everything's kind of trying to figure out its stasis and trying to settle down. If it's four weeks, if it's six weeks and you're still experiencing these, these symptoms, and experiencing these different things, then, then there's probably something else that could be going on. Yeah. Yeah. I have a question. It may be a two-part question. All right. Do with these emotions. Cause I remember when I was in the postpartum stage, I couldn't believe what I was feeling emotionally. And I am someone who has studied this. I consider myself emotionally intelligent. I have done lots of work to like understand emotions and feelings and even hormones, but it's such a wild ride. And I remember just being like, I can't imagine how people who are not tapped into their emotions feel right now, you know, when they do not have these tools and that's probably the majority of our country, right? Like that we don't have the tools. Um, so one question is this, like, I know absolutely we should all get support on this, but let's say someone doesn't necessarily in that postpartum time have a therapist lined up or a resource or a reference to them. Have you come across any mom tools, any parenting tools to help you with emotions in those early weeks or really whenever, because it doesn't get any less wild when they get older and you go through the stages, right? But like, have you come across any tools that are really helpful for people to educate themselves and understand these emotions? Yeah, that's a good question. And I don't think I have. Um, I think that most of the time, or at least my personal and professional experience, it's been through other people. So it's been maybe a friend that's a little bit ahead or, um, there's so many good Facebook community supports. You could just go new moms in X County. And there's a bunch of moms that are lonely and tired and just want to see another adult's face. And, you know, I, I think that the community supports there's, um, I was a part of fit for mom. I don't know if you guys have that by you and, and fit for mom is just moms getting together. You put your baby in the stroller you do an exercise, you socialize after, and you go home. But that was just such a lifeline. I remember the first time I went to a fit for mom, my daughter was, you, you had to be cleared to work out. So she was about seven weeks and I had my, they're 17 months apart. So whatever my one and a half year old son, I forgot the diapers. <laughs> I, I forgot the wipes. I'm just like a frazzled mess. And these moms were like, it's okay. I have a diaper. I have a wipe. You're, you're going to be okay. This is, this is your first excursion out of the house and you got here. So props to you. And so just that normalizing that it's going to be messy and hard and you're going to forget the wipes and your kid's probably going to have a blowout the day that you forget the wipes. (laughs) I think these are great tools because they're realistic they're accessible. And uh, Alyssa, we talk about this all the time, you know, for everything from like this podcast being a resource to other podcasts that you can listen to YouTube videos and the Facebook communities. Totally. It's like this is accessible. You're sitting on the couch. Are you, do you even have clothes on? 
does the baby have clothes on? You know what I mean? I think sometimes like the idea of getting dressed and going out and setting up appointments is like so far from your head when you're in that postpartum Mm -hmm. time. You know what I mean? So this is like stuff that they can do while they're on the couch Mm -hmm. in bed, healing with this baby, getting to know this new baby. Also, um, a lot of libraries have baby meetups and support groups that are helpful too. My second question is around boundaries with emotions and family members. I remember when I was feeling all these feelings and these hormones are raging through me and I would just like burst out crying or all these things that my husband will look at me like, what's wrong? What's wrong? Is there something, you know, and his psychosis and the way he reacts is like, oh, well, if you're crying, then there must be something wrong. And then have I done something wrong? And is there something right? And I'm like, no, I just need to feel right now. Just let me feel right now. And we have the ability to communicate on that. But I feel like you could imagine how other families struggle with this. Mm -hmm. Even people being able to show emotion in front of family members. Do you have any advice here for parents around boundaries? One with your spouse or who's in the home? two family members coming over they want to see the baby everyone's excited but you want to cry in the corner you know what I mean like I think this can be really challenging within families and I think boundaries is the name of the game here do you have any advice for us with that um I I would say first of all know your limits um and also ask directly for what you need um, be assertive. This is a time to, if somebody comes over and you, you need a cry, be like, take the, take my baby and go cry, go do, be assertive with your needs and be assertive with asking for help. Yeah. I think this is something that so many moms struggle with. Yeah. Feeling like it's okay to ask for what they want, feeling like it's, you know, all of that, like it's, I feel like there's sometimes so much healing that even that has to happen too for the mom before she's even able to feel like it's okay well, to have needs. <laughs> you know, if you're looking for permission from a professional, here it is. Um, this is a season of taking. There's seasons of giving in our lives and there's seasons of taking. Early parenthood is a season of taking. You got a meal? Great. I'll take it. You want to spend five hours cleaning my house? Yes. You want to help out? Here's a list I made. You can throw in a a load of laundry. You can um, wash some bottles. Here's your permission to ask for help, to graciously receive the help or ungraciously. Who cares? These people will forgive you. If these people love you, if they're asking to help you, just come as you are and accept the help. Amen. I mean, how many moms needed to hear that, right? Thank you so much. That's so beautiful. So kind of getting back to the clinical aspect of this, right? Like let's say it is diagnosed depression, anxiety. Is there any, are there like certain risk factors where certain individuals might be more prone to developing postpartum depression and or anxiety? Yeah, definitely. So a previous diagnosis is of course a risk factor, you know, you know, you're kind of, you got your ears up that something might happen. You might fall into that. Um, I would say having a support system that is not strong could be a risk factor. Uh, let's see, having a baby with special needs or big external stressors could also be a risk factor. Definitely genetics. I mean, family history, trauma history. 
yeah. a lot of things that some things that we have no control over most of the things we have no control over. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. And um, in terms of like, let's say for any pregnant mom that's listening to this right now, what would be some of the, some advice that you might give to her to prepare herself mentally for this season? I feel like we've talked about some of this, but anything else coming to mind for you? Um, I think the biggest thing is that it's going to be okay. Again, this is temporary, whatever you're going to go through highs, lows, joys, challenges. i promise you it's going to be temporary. Um, it's going to change and you're going to be okay. And if you don't feel like you're okay, reach out to a professional and they're going to help you get to the point where you feel okay again. Yeah, absolutely. So, so, so helpful. And another resources resource is coming to mind for me from Jamie's question earlier. If somebody doesn't have a, a therapist lined up or, cause I know these days, you guys are selling like hotcakes. I mean, it's hard to get a therapist these days. <laughs> I, have people, I have moms texting me all the time asking if I have any referrals. And luckily I do have a handful of therapists that I would recommend, but it is, it can be really tough, especially people have different preferences. A lot of times right now, people are over the Zoom thing and want to see somebody in person, you know, or, or maybe it's the opposite, right? And they really need somebody because they really don't want to leave their house. Or maybe it's so too early and they don't have anybody to watch the baby and they, they want to do it virtually. So there is a group that I have done some collaborations with, I work with. It's the fourth trimester support circle. So we'll put a link in the show notes to this group. They do in-person meetings in Long Island, New York, but they also do virtual ones, which I've done a couple talks to. And I know that they have a group that they do periodically specific for postpartum anxiety and depression where a, a therapist leads that group. So I think any time, Angel, like you said, where we can connect with other moms, be in that community, see how it's normal to forget things, see how it's okay. You know, we have each other's backs, you know, that sort of thing is very, very helpful in finding that community, finding that tribe, right? Your village, how, whatever you want to call it. So I will put a link to that in the show notes to anybody who might be looking for that information. Jamie, any questions that are coming to mind for you? Of course. I'm the question queen. <laughs> okay. My next question is, <clears throat> as a professional angel, do you see that we have become more accessible in every state, maybe possibly in every city for postpartum care? You know, like, is this something that is now an average question, uh, an average function within the medical system in every state. Like I know you are in the Midwest and we're on the East coast, but you know, like, has this, has this become more normal to talk about? I, yes, but I don't think we're quite to the point where there is this specific professional support at the ready. Um, I think that um, like, I just got certified in this just this year. I didn't even know it existed. I was like, oh yeah, I, I specialize in working with women's wellness and postpartum depression and perinatal um, stuff. But I did, I mean, like I didn't have that certification. And it's, right. I think a lot of doctors say that they're postpartum conscientious or that they work with this population, but they don't have the specific certification. It's, it's vastly different. It's way different than working with just, I mean, um, 
average woman, this it's just the stage of life makes a difference. So I do think that people and professionals are leaning into it more, but I do think that there's more work and more space to fill with actually getting that professional certification and the specialized training. Mm. What was the biggest thing that you learned in that certification process that you didn't feel like you knew from, you know, previous training or experience? That's a good question. I, I, hmm. I think that the season of taking and season of giving that was like the, so I went through postpartum.net. It's the postpartum support international, which is also a great resource. Um, they have trainings, they have information, they have groups, um, free resources. So they're the ones that put on the certification training and that was like their thing. They were like, it's a season of taking and just kind of leaning into to that piece of it. Oh, I love it that. Training. It was, it was really good. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. The things that we go through during this time are so unique to this season. So, so unique, which is why JB and I were like, we need to create this podcast because there's so much that happens during this period that nobody talks about and you don't know until you're in it. And sometimes you don't even know what to do till you're already out of it. And you have that hindsight 2020 moment, right? Where you're like, whoa, I really could have used this, that, or the other thing, right? I mean, I remember it was a little different with my second because I knew what I knew from the first, obviously, right? But I remember thinking about it with my second because I don't remember the conversation when leaving the hospital with my oldest, Eddie. I don't really remember. I'm sure they did talk about, oh, you might experience this or this or, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I think it was just like information overload on, oh my God, I'm about to go home with this little baby. Do I really know what I'm doing? Am I qualified to do this? Right. And then, but I remember with Charlie, I remember, I think it was the day that we were discharged from the hospital, a social worker, I guess, maybe from the hospital must've been who she was, came into the room and it was like, all right, be on the lookout for this and this and this and this and this. And could just kind of like rattles everything off and just looks at my husband and like, oh, and if she does this, then, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I remember just kind of thinking like, like, wow, like, thank God I'm a second time parent and kind of already know kind of what she's telling me. But like, remembering like, you need, we need to check in. Like you said, okay, it might be normal within the first couple of weeks. Shit's going to get crazy no matter what. Right. But then it's really in those weeks after those months after where we need that check-in and more than just the have you thought about harming your baby or yourself, right? Or whatever those standard questions are that you go in at your six week appointment, you know, with your midwife or OB or, or whatever. I don't even know what my point was with that other than <laughs> I just don't think that that's enough to rattle off a bunch of things to a mom who's just birthed a child. No, that needs to be a continued conversation. And I love working with parents that are expecting a kid and then kind of give them those inventories six weeks before the the baby's born. And then again, a few weeks after, and then again, a month after, and then again, because we have to consistently and constantly be checking in on this. It's not just a one and done. Here's your survey. All right. Looks good. It's, it's a, it's a check-in process. And, and which brings me back to everyone needs a therapist and you should be happy or a trained professional, or I don't know, somebody in your circle that is 
train somewhat on this to check in with you and and to have these conversations with you. Absolutely. And I'm glad that you brought that up too, because that's something that I talk about a lot. I am not a therapist, right? I, um, I do energy, energy work, energy healing, coaching, things like that. And, you know, that's another thing that I always talk about to, to moms, to my audience or whatever, which is therapy can look like different things for different people, right? It might be seeing a therapist, which I agree. I highly recommend. I think everybody should be connected and have somebody in their corner, right? They should also have a energy worker, right? They should also have a PT. They should also have, right? Like there are all of these things, a chiropractor. I mean, there, there's, there's so many aspects to wellness, right? And so many ways that we can kind of be looking at things, but yeah, there needs to be some kind of professional to be able to lean into and to be checking up on you. We can't necessarily leave this to ourselves or mom shouldn't necessarily have, it shouldn't be on her, right? To be on top of this. We need to kind of look out for each other and really support the mother, right? Like you said, it's the season for taking. It's not the season for caring for yourself on top of everything else that you're caring for and taking care of. Yeah. That reminds me of a topic we've discussed before. And it's the idea of that transition, that initiation. It's really taboo to talk about it. And we don't usually, but when you have the baby and you're not pregnant anymore, everyone's focused on the baby, not the mom. And when you are pregnant, you get so much attention and love and how are you? And you know what I mean? And the minute you have the baby that usually goes out the door. And I think a lot of women deal with that, like loss, you know, there is a loss when you give birth. Um, it does your postpartum training, does it discuss or touch on that? Like those deeper emotions there? Uh, Not specifically, but that's definitely something that I've talked about with clients. And that's something that we could explore on all those emotions. And, and in that period of time, I would say, go easy on yourself, Um, throw away the comparisons. If you follow an Instagram account, that's making you feel like crap about yourself, (laughs) unfollow it. Anything that doesn't make you feel good enough, anything that challenges your self-esteem and your worth, get it out of here. There's no room for that. I felt like another resource that was so helpful was having other moms in my back pocket Mm -hmm. and getting those quick Instagram memos, those quick voice memos from other moms, just like talking to me and telling me things. And I started to show up for other moms on that level. Like I even have this little note in my phone that I save as my postpartum advice, you know, just like five things I can just shoot over to a mom. And I'm like, take your time with this, but this stuff, it might come up. And this is what I did. And just know this door is open. You can reach out to me. You know what I mean? Like, like having these like mom networks, I think is so helpful. Even if it's five women that, you know, even if it's a few, I mean, finding your people. And if you don't have those people making, making that happen, creating that group, I used to do, there's an app called Marco Polo. I don't know if, if you use that or if you're familiar with that, but that was another lifesaver for me. Cause I would be feeding this baby. It's three in the morning and I'm on Marco Polo being like, (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to be asleep right now. And then my friends would get it. And in the morning they'd be like, girl, I know it it's all temporary or they would, you know, they would just be there. And it was just a way to connect in real time and just be unapologetically me Mm. during that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Cause I feel like there is so much that we want to share 
but it's not necessarily in a Facebook post, right? It's not necessarily to my Instagram stories, like this real heavy shit that's going on. I mean, I'm definitely, I love talking about that after the fact, right? After I've been through it and sharing what the experience was, what helped me, what it felt like, right? That sort of thing. But yeah, in those moments, you just need to share. Oh, that's really cool. Jamie, have you heard of that app, Marco Polo? I have. I haven't used it, but... I, so I still have a group of some of my best friends. We talk, there's three of us on, on our Marco Polo. We talk daily, everything. We're just driving in the car, heading to pick up my Walmart pickup, like just the most mundane things. But that, that's what it means to live life with somebody Mm. that, I mean, that's such a beautiful part of friendship that we can harness, especially in this season of early motherhood is just being, living life, living the nitty gritty oh, I need to go to Trader Joe's, like, Pat, like, let's just go, you know, I'll meet you there. Let's just wander around. And, and just knowing people and being known is, is, could be a really, if you have that luxury, if you have that, if you don't, I encourage you to find it. I encourage you to put yourself out there to, to join the groups, to show up at the places, even if you don't want to, even if you don't feel like it, just do it, just try it, see, see what it's like. Yes, definitely. This reminds me of our ancient longing to be in community and Mm. vibe again. You know what I mean? Um, Back in the day, whether it was tribal and we were living on the land or we all had our little cabins and you would go up to the big house. Like when you were expecting um, and you would birth, you would most likely be at, let's say the big house or the long house and people would take care of you and you'd be around people more so until you were ready to move back into your space. And I know, unfortunately in our culture, we don't have that. Um, But these are little ways to like invite that in or to think outside the box. Like we talked to a sleep specialist and people hire her to go sleep with the, take care of the baby. And like, there are these tools out there. Um, Or even like, let's say if that's not in your budget, well, have some of your best friends come like stay the night, let your favorite siblings come and stay the night with you. Right. So they can maybe help you with the second child while you're over here doing this. You know what I mean? I think there are ways to kind of bring back that community aspect. Yeah. I mean, we, we are a communal species Mm -hmm. and whether it's, I don't know, I don't know what, what broke that down. I don't know why it's, it's not, it's like, we're so connected through social media now, but we're, are we connected? Right. Because sometimes it doesn't feel like it. Yeah. It's like, is it an authentic connection? Because I feel like sometimes too, with social media, it feels like, am I just being sold something? Like, is that what, you know, like, is this really like a a real conversation or is this like, is this person just want me in their coaching program or something? Right. Or whatever. Social media is not a substitute for no. genuine connection. No, um, not agreed. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And, but however, can it be a starting point? Right. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, cool. I've made some of my best friends through yeah. social media, like no joke. I have met some of like the most amazing people that we are connected with on a personal level. Right beyond work and, and anything else. So yes, but like you said, it's no replacement. And, and I think too, just like reminding people that it's, it might be uncomfortable asking, getting there, putting yourself out there, right? It's, it may not feel easy right away, but 
it is important. It is important to get yourself out there to connect with others. Like you said, it's, it's in our DNA. It's in our species. And I think a lot of people have convinced themselves that they're the lone wolf type, right. And that they don't need anybody or want anybody or whatever, but I would almost challenge that to like, where did that come from? Right. Like what experience in this lifetime or wherever it came from, right. Is the, is there the fear of being held and supported by others Mm. again, circling back to Mm. therapy, (laughs) to whatever type of therapy that is for you and, and doing that work to really figuring that out because it's, you know, do I dare say life or death, right? It's like how, what kind of experience do you want as a parent, right? How do you want to move through your life? Do you want to do it, you know, through anxiety, right? Through sadness and fear, right? Or or do you want to really enjoy this time, really make the most of this time? Because, you know, it's, and I think a lot of people talk about this too, right? It's not just about surviving. It's about thriving, right? It's not just about getting through this, this day. Sometimes it is, some days are like that. You're like, oh my God, if I could just, this day could just end. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, recognizing that and being in that and, and, and loving yourself through that. But if every day is like that, if you're just waiting for that to happen, it doesn't have to be like this, right there. It is possible to really find joy, even in the messes, right. And, and the messes become, I think, smaller and smaller, easier to digest, easier to manage, the more that we, you know, hold the space for um, this time of growth, and the more that we open ourselves to receive the support that we really need. Mm-hmm. Parenting and self-growth and mental health as an active sport. It's not <laughs> going to happen. You have to be intentional it's going to be hard. You're going to sweat. I mean, it, it is an active sport to better yourself in your life. Yeah. Yes. I love that phrase. That's so good. It's, it really just makes it like tangible and physical, you know, like this is not just an additive. It, it becomes part of you. You know, this is like working out muscles and eating well for those muscles and having the protein shakes and the supplements for those muscles. It's like, it's so it's wholesome. It's whole body, mind, spirit, all of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, one other thing that I, I'm sure I'll add maybe a couple other things, but <laughs> something that comes to mind is this idea. <clears throat> a lot of times moms come to me and they're like, I, I just can't find myself in this new role. Like I can't find myself. And I would challenge that. And I would say, it's not about finding yourself. It's about creating yourself in a new role. You're not, it's not going to look the same. If you're looking for the same, it's not there. You have to make it, you have to be intentional. You have to ask hard questions. Like what kind of parent do I want to be? What am I okay with? What am I not okay with? And you need to create yourself in this new role and in this new stage of life. I love those questions. I, I help women with conceiving and I actually ask those questions to help them prepare themselves energetically Mm. before they're even pregnant. You know what I mean? Just getting clear on like, 
what kind of mom do you want to be? Do you want to be the sporty mom and sneakers and like even getting them clear about what clothes they want to wear when they're a mom? You know what I mean? It really like brings it, it brings it down to earth. It's something they can like reach out and grasp. And I think these are great questions to ask in the prenatal phase too. Mm-hmm. When you're pregnant, just kind of like playing with the idea of like, how do you want to show up in this? Yeah. You know, what, what does the day, what do you want the day to look like? Uh, I think those are actually really important questions that don't throw people for a spin when all of a sudden it's at their door. Yeah. And, and to be okay with that, j- just throwing that away, if it doesn't, oh, yeah. there. like just because right. you said it, you don't have to be married to it. That's okay. Mm-hmm. That's but- what I was going to say too. Yeah. Just managing the expectations and like, because I think that's what happens also, right. We have this idea what it's going to look like, what it's going to be like, what maternity leave is going to be like, right. If you have the pleasure of having it, all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, but at the same time, we have to have a roadmap, right? So it's helpful to think, it's helpful to consider and all of that, yet also, I mean, is the name of the game of parenthood not flexibility, mm-hmm. <laughs> being okay with change, throwing it all out the window? It's it's not not awareness is, it's important. Um, I often ask, you know, what are the values that your family has that you want your kid to, to adopt? What are the values? Like, oh, we're kind to each other. We recycle. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't care what it is, but I want to get you thinking about yeah. what's important to you and how you want to show up in your life. And uh, that's another topic that um, isn't addressed enough is the truth that everything will change next week. And maybe it's not next week. Maybe it's in three weeks time, that baby's schedule, boom, complete opposite of what you just had. You think you get comfortable and all of a sudden they're in a whole nother growth spurt or they're in a whole nother period. And you're like, just trying to pick up the pieces. I don't think we talk about this enough. Right. Um, and cause how many people have a hard time with change. Right. And then we get into a habit like, Oh, the baby is doing this. Right. And then it's like, Nope, give it a month. I got it figured out. I know all I got to do is rock them like this and set them down and quickly. Yeah. Nope. Just nope. kidding. right it's like ah this isn't talked about enough you know what I mean and it's quick and things like you guys have older children things it kind of settles down a little bit right no I don't think it. no I would say just changes and I think it's it throws you off a little bit more because within the first year the beat like the 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 change happens so quickly that you kind of get used to it changing every so often but then I, it's been my experience that with, you know, with Eddie, my five-year-old, the changes happen less frequently. So I forget when something happens, I'm like, oh yeah, he's still, you know, he's still going through these growth right. spurts, these changes, these developmental, you know, milestones and things like that. I just forget because he's bigger. And I think also what happens is I know for me, like I'll, I kind of consider him an adult, especially he's four years older than his baby brother. So you know, I forget that he's like actually just a, a child, you know what I mean? Cause to me, he's like basically ready for college, you know, in my <laughs> head because he's so, you know, such a person. Right. But, but yeah, I feel like it's, it's, it's just different. It's, mm-hmm. it's not better. It's not worse. It's just different. And, and to that, to that last point about just finding and leaning into your values as a family, Things change, but some things could stay the same. If you determine we're a family that's kind to each other, we're a family that is polite. 
I don't care if you eat chicken nuggets or whatever, like as long as you say please or whatever's important to you to lean into that. And that can kind of be your beacon. That could kind of be the foundation that you rest on when everything is changing. It's like getting back to basics. What's the most important thing? What is the priority right now? Because all these 10 things are not the priority. Right. What, right. what is the glass ball? If you have all these balls up in the air, some of them are glass and some of them are plastic. What can you let fall and what can you grab? Because that's important. And that's dependent on your values. Like, oh, what a great analogy. I love that. That's so good. And I feel like the values, like the family values, it's not necessarily something that like, okay, we're going to have a baby. Let's talk about our values. What's really important, right? I mean, unless you know. In my family, my husband was like, why all these questions all the time? I'm like, I'm just trying to be aware. I'm just trying to set us up for success. I know, right? I remember sending articles to my husband before our first two, like, just so you know, this might happen. I might cry like this. This might happen, blah, blah, blah. Just this is what's going on. That's really funny. But these are, these are things that we need to talk about. And actually, at some point along my networking journey, I connected with a therapist who specializes in parents that are expecting to really help them build that strong foundation for when they have that baby. And I think we've said it a couple times already here, like how important this information is to get out to expecting parents, because yeah, I mean, so much happens right during that, the postpartum phase and beyond to where there's, there's so much that can be done. I mean, it's kind of like the idea of prevention, right? Rather than treatment of something like what can we do ahead of time? But sometimes we don't, we just don't know what we don't know, but I think that the values are super, super important. So I know we're, we're coming down to just a couple minutes here. So Angel, is there any other advice or points or anything else that you would, you know, want to say to our listeners? Um, you know, I think I, I said most of it. Uh, I think that the takeaways, the things that I really want to make sure that people take away from this, the values, yes, but, but this idea that joy and hardship, joy and challenge can coexist um, that that's a possibility. Uh, the idea that you should be open to receiving, that you should ask for help, that you should be, or you be assertive with your needs. That's okay. Um, going easy on yourself. I think all of the, it's not about finding yourself. It's about creating yourself kind of all those, those topics that we touched on. I I hope that it was helpful for, for those listening. And I'd love to give you some resources that you can maybe post along with this. Yeah, that would be wonderful. That was going to be my next question too. I know you guys only see within your state local, right? Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, any other resources or anything, we will add it all to the show notes for our listeners for sure. Awesome. For sure. Well, Angel, thank you so much for sharing your time, sharing your wisdom with us and your experiences, because I'm sure so many moms can relate to to what your experience was, you know, during that fourth trimester. And yeah, uh, let us know all your, um, your, your new Instagram, which we just had a chuckle about before we got on the recording. <laughs> but we'll put that there too, so you can follow along with what's going on at Stableway Counseling. Um, but otherwise, thank you all so much and tune in next time. Thank Bye. you. Bye.